Welcome to Inside the Rope, the podcast where we speak to the leading minds in wealth management. I'm your host, David Clark. In this episode, I'm speaking with Justin Boris, the portfolio manager and founder of Ibex. Many listeners to the podcast will recognize Justin from previous episodes. In this episode, we talk about the recent revaluations and declining values of many fast-growing technology companies around the world. We talk to Justin how he believes this presents a once-in-a-cycle opportunity to enter these companies at great valuations. Enjoy the episode. I certainly did. Remember to listen to the disclaimer at the end of the podcast. And to keep your feedback coming, the email is david.clark at codacapital.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Justin Boris, welcome back to Inside the Road. I'm excited to be here, David. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, many of our listeners and those uh, who have listened to uh, the, the previous episodes that we've recorded will know that you've been uh, on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, but I think it's probably worth just a, a quick little snapshot to some of our newer listeners that may not have been back and just just give them a little snapshot to who you are and who Ibex is. Sure, of course. Uh, my name is Justin Boris. I'm the founder and chief executive officer of Ibex Investors. We're a firm with 27 people, uh, San Francisco, Colorado, New York, and Tel Aviv. And we focus on very niche differentiated strategies. Our primary focus is in Israel and all the uh, startups and innovation and growth companies that are coming out of Israel. And we have an office of six people in Tel Aviv. We hope to be at 10 people in the coming months. And uh, we're one of the US uh, largest funds uh, exclusively focused on Israel. So I think we probably best leave it to some of those previous episodes to talk about Startup Nation and why Israel is such a, a hotbed of innovation and, and why the, the people and culture lean into that. So if we take that as a, a taken a given, maybe you can give us a little bit of an update as to the performance in the last six months, what you've seen and then what the outlook is. Um, you know, obviously as uh, the 10 year bond rate has jumped up, um, growth assets, have suffered terribly. Um, but anecdotally, when I look at some of the performance numbers, um, you know, Ibex and the Israel strategy seems to have fared a little bit better than some of the other comparables in the US. But g- give us a rundown of the last six months in your words, Justin, please. Yeah. So, so just zooming out really quickly, uh, on the public side, the publicly listed uh, universe in Israel, uh, we're talking uh, Tel Aviv and, and NASDAQ listed companies. Half of the Israeli uh, universe is down over 50%. And 30% of that universe is down over 70%. Uh, so there has been uh, quite the annihilation, at least on a, a number of publicly listed companies. On the private side, uh, it's more anecdotal, uh, but we hear about uh, a lot of VCs that are struggling uh, that uh, many VCs have stopped making new investments altogether. Some of them are only focused on their existing portfolios. And even some of them uh, we don't think are going to survive and reached out and said, hey, will you submit some term sheets to our startup companies? 
any any valuation almost. Um, so uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, Israel is not immune to the most recent sell-off. And uh, what I always like to tell people is fortunes are made in, in, in bear markets, not bull markets. So of course you approach this uh, bear market with a lot of humility. Uh, there are certainly factors, as you alluded to, that we haven't seen uh, before, or at least in a long, long time with inflation. And, and so of course that's important. Um, but there will be some tremendous opportunities, both on the public side and the private side uh, in Israel. Um, and, and we're excited about those. Um, fundamentally, on, on the inflation side, uh, we're not as concerned uh, being an Israeli-focused fund. Uh, one is uh, a lot of our uh, companies do have pricing power. Uh, when you're a monopoly or a near monopoly and you have a must-have product or technology, um, whether it's cybersecurity for your, your rail or trains or, or, or what have you, um, you're a must-have product. And so you pass that uh, extra cost on your customers. Uh, it's when you're a nice-to-have business, whether you're an app that takes pictures of dogs or, or kittens, um, that you may not have the pricing power. So we actually haven't uh, seen uh, our companies uh, struggle like so many other companies, especially in the U.S. with, with inflation numbers um, because they've been able to pass along uh, any extra cost they've had for the customers. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the business environment, especially in enterprise software and, and SaaS. Uh, the business closing cycles have become a little bit longer. Um, and uh, what we're finding our enterprise customers are taking more time. There's more signatures that have to come on uh, to sign uh, certain contracts. Um, but uh, of all the concerns and worries we have, uh, with our Israeli portfolio, uh, inflation is, is not one of them right now. And how has the performance for the calendar year to date been for for the Israeli strategy, Justin? Yeah, so so we uh, the the fund is down kind of uh, uh, small double digits. Um, it's a little bit tricky to, to give you a real-time update because our private portfolio is valued on a month-to-month -month basis and I don't have that. What I can say is the public side of the portfolio uh, is pretty close to flat. Uh, so we've done a really good job hanging in there. Um, our third-party valuation firm has written down about $100 million of our private companies. Now, our private companies, I'm including a, a few recent IPOs of, of private companies that we've had that were still on the boards, we're still restricted on that. Um, so unlike many funds out there that are still holding their private companies at, at uh, their current valuations, we feel like we've already taken some pretty significant write downs. Doesn't mean there can be more. Um, but the fact that we're down you know, 12, 13, 14% or whatever it is, uh, and we've taken $100 million of write-downs on the private side, uh, I'm really encouraged uh, by, by how well we've, we've hung in there on a relative basis. And looking forward from here at this point in time, how are you feeling about investing in this particular strategy? Uh, you made the comment there, fortunes are made in bear markets. Um, does that mean that you're quite bullish about the opportunities you're seeing? 
or are you still somewhat concerned that we're going to see more to come and are happy to take your time? Yeah, so let, let's let's take that question in two parts. First, on the publicly listed side, anytime I see a universe that half the companies are down over 50% and 30% of companies are down over 70%, uh, you're kidding yourself if you don't think there's tremendous opportunities. Now, we came into the year with about $55 million in cash. Uh, we had a lot of value positions, some Israeli banks paying dividends and other things like that. Um, and what we've been able to transition into in the last few weeks and months is more of the growth companies. Now, these are companies uh, that we've always wanted to own, the, the Monday.coms, but in our view, they were just way too expensive. But if you take like a Monday.com as an example and kind of the euphoria of their IPO, it got to about $450 a share uh, and it dropped to about 80 or $90 a share. So these are massive moves. This is a company that's been almost doubling its revenues every year for five years, 90 plus percent gross margins. Um, and uh, just great companies just were always too expensive. And one thing we've uh, taken advantage of is there's really high implied volatilities uh, on a lot of these publicly listed companies. So we have an option strategy uh, where we're not taking margin or leverage, uh, but we'll sell cash collateralized puts. So the cash is reserved and here's stocks that are down 60, 70, 80% to begin with, we'll sell puts down another 20, 30, 40%. Uh, so if we're put the stock, we're thrilled because we'd be buying a hand over fist anyway. Um, and if we're not put the stock, uh, in a lot of cases, we're getting uh, paid 30, 40 plus percent annualized returns on just the premiums. Um, so we can do well uh, with that strategy in a flat or even down market. Um, and then on the private side, um, it always lags the public companies. So I think we're, we're really focused on the publicly listed companies because there's tremendous opportunities in the here and now, uh, right now. Uh, but on the, public, uh, on the private side, we're starting to see uh, valuations get slashed uh, 30, 50, 60% from where they might have been even just six months ago. Um, but a lot of the companies that are coming to market with fundraising, it's because they couldn't delay their round. So maybe they're not the best of quality companies, but in the next six, 12, 18 months, uh, even the quality companies are going to have to come back to the market for their funding rounds. And that's where we get really excited, uh, getting that top tier companies, the companies that are growing triple digits with high margins and, and, and near monopolies or monopolies in their space and, and, and great must have products. And when we can find those companies at 50 to 75% off, uh, that's when we'll be much more aggressive on the private side. Uh, so today, uh, almost all of our focus is on the public side because we realize it's not as sexy as the private companies, uh, but we can have venture capital-like returns, we believe, from the, the public companies. And I'd say in about six to 12 months, uh, the opportunities will, will be really compelling on the, on the private side. And Justin, am I right in thinking that you're going to be reopening the strategy to additional funds and new investments, investors where it has been closed for a period of time? Yeah. So unfortunately, because of the nature of how we're regulated, I can't comment too much publicly on, on whether the fund uh, is, is open or close to new investors. 
But what I can say is uh, there's tremendous opportunities. It's probably the best valuations we've seen in the 10 plus years uh, that we've been managing this fund. Um, so uh, we'd be foolish not to put uh, much more money to work in this environment. This is kind of the environment uh, we've been waiting 10 years for. Now, it doesn't mean that we can drop 20 or 30% uh, uh, beforehand. It's impossible to bottom pick a bear market. However, we think when we look back in two, three, four years from today, the entry prices that we're coming in today are going to be quite compelling. Um, and we're, we're not trying to bottom tick anything. And tell me a little bit about the metrics of for instance, a monday.com, just as an example, where that got to, you talk about in price, but you know, you're talking what sort of price revenue multiple, I'm assuming they're using a price revenue multiple, not a price earnings multiple. Um, the, what were they at compared to what you can buy them today? You know, are, are they still back in the land of normal industrial company valuations or are they still at fast growing technology multiple? Uh, sort of valuations. Yeah, and, and without having the exact numbers right in front of me, we're talking about, you know, in the euphoria 12 or 18 months ago, those types of companies being at 30, 35, 40 times uh, revenues and now being at four or five times revenues. So we're mm -hmm. not talking deep value stocks by any stretch, uh, but we're talking a whole different paradigm and when you're talking, whether it's a Monday.com or some other companies like that, uh, really the top best companies in all of Israel, uh, when you're talking 90% gross margins and doubling revenues year over year and uh, just a who's who's customer base and enterprise uh, uh, customers, you know, uh, just increasing dramatically. Uh, this is really, really compelling to see these kind of valuations and, and not things that we thought we'd see certainly anytime soon when they're trading at 30 and 40 times uh, revenues. Uh, it's hard to, to believe that so quickly they'd go to mid single digits. And Justin, are there any trends that you're noticing in terms of the style of companies or technologies that are coming through? I know in the past we've spoken a lot about cybersecurity. We've spoken a lot about Israel producing sort of real technology rather than, you know, um, as I think you put it before, you know, kitten photo swapping apps. Uh, um, you know, are you noticing any change there or a sort of, you know, the, the model that we've seen very popular is everything and anything that's a SaaS business is very popular. Are you noticing any trends or things coming through in this shakeout? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we're really focused and Israel's really focused on enterprise software, um, cybersecurity. Uh, but, but frankly, Israel has really compelling medical device companies and agriculture companies and water companies. And, and we really pride ourselves at being generalists in the truest sense. Uh, so while we're trying to look at several hundred companies a year um, and tend to invest in the best of the best of what Israel has to offer, which is enterprise software and cybersecurity, um, we are open-minded and have made investments in, in other uh, areas. 
the great thing about SaaS businesses or enterprise software businesses, one is not only does this really do that really, really well, uh, but two, it's much easier to scale that kind of business, uh, to penetrate that kind of business than it is, say, a hardware business where you have manufacturing issues, you have a lot of fixed costs, you have to build a plant. Um, and then when a lot of your people are your variable costs in this kind of environment, if you have to cut your budget by 40 or 50%, uh, you can do that pretty quickly. If you're a manufacturing business or, or, or making kind of hard stuff, uh, that's a much more difficult task. And not only are you much lower margins, uh, but uh, being able to uh, pivot in a bear market uh, may, may be deadly because you just can't take the necessary costs out of the business. Justin, turning our minds a little bit to Israel and Israel as an economy, how is it dealing with this spike in inflation and these changed economic conditions compared to, say, the US or, or Europe? Yeah, I'm... Uh, you know, it's it's the inflation is not uh, nearly as rampant in Israel as it as it has been in the U.S. and certainly Europe. Um, I think mostly because of the pricing power that I mentioned that a lot of the Israeli companies have. Now, Israel has its own issues. It was recently rated uh, Tel Aviv the most expensive city in the world. Um, so this downturn, where you're starting to see a lot of layoffs in some of the high tech companies. Uh, is probably a, a, a very long-term healthy thing for the Israeli economy, um, where uh, a lot of these startups were having a hard time finding uh, coders, developers, programmers. Um, hopefully that'll soften a little bit. Um, but I think what we see overall is uh, there is some inflation, and certainly I wouldn't want to be buying an apartment in Tel Aviv right now. Uh, but as far as the companies go, um, because of the strength of the Israeli shekel and uh, the pricing power that these technology companies have, uh, we haven't felt that impact uh, on our portfolio companies yet. Terrific. Well, I think that's a, a terrific update, Justin. Um, I'll give you the, the last word. Are there any other points that are salient or you think uh, would make sense for our listeners who have been following the path of IBEX and, and this strategy in Israel to be across. Uh, are there any points you'd like to make before we wrap things up? Yeah, maybe just a big, big picture. I think when we started about 10 years ago, there were about 20 multinationals with offices in Israel, maybe Apple, Google, Facebook. Today, there's close to 400. Uh, and that's who buys Israeli companies. When we started, there might have been two or three unicorns in Israel, uh, Waze, maybe Wix, one other maybe. Uh, now there's about 100, and in about 10 years, there'll be 1,000. Uh, so sometimes it's easy in market turmoil to, to be very short-sighted, get carried up in the headlines of the day. Uh, but if we zoom out and we say, hey, you know, where, what is going to be one of the, the best ecosystems of the next 10 years? where investors can make multiples on their money, whether it's IBEX or somebody else focused on Israel, I really encourage people to have a, at least an equal weight, if not an overweight to, to, to Israel. And again, it doesn't even have to be with us, um, but it's just uh, a tremendous uh, long-term opportunity. And the fact that things are on such sale right now, uh, people always say, well, I'm excited about Israel, but I don't wanna chase things at all-time highs. 
well, this is the entry point we've all been waiting for. So it, it's quite exciting. I think that's a wonderful place to leave things, Justin. Thank you very much uh, for once again, your insightful input and joining us inside the rope. Thanks, David. It's always so much fun and uh, have a great rest of your uh, winter and uh, we can't wait to, to speak soon. Thank you for listening to Inside the Rope with David Clark. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with David by visiting codacapital.com. Any views expressed in this recording represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or recommendation and may not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit www.moneysmart.gov.au to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.